Thank you, music department. Uh, today was what you would call, I don't know how far you go back, uh, but they used to call that congregational worship. Anybody know about that? And the first church I attended was a Kojic church. And really the stage wasn't this big to have a band, praise and worship center. The stage was about this big, enough room for a piano and somebody singing in the mic. And the person singing in the mic would be singing out to the audience, and the audience was the praise team. The, the audience was the choir. And so he would lead the audience in praise and worship. And I believe that's the way God always intended for it to be. What it's turned into is all of the noise and the sound comes from the platform out to the people. But I mean, really, all of the sound should come from the people onto the platform. Right? And we want to get to a place where you don't just come to spectate. You come to participate. I mean, God didn't bring you here today for you to just stand there doing praise and worship like he hasn't done anything for you. You got to ask yourself, what does he want you to go to church for? Well, that's to give him the glory that is due unto his name. But I don't know if you all realize it, but people died last week all around this world. But you're still here. Somebody ought to lift their hands and thank God for that right now. If you see our congregational care report, you'll see that there were several hospital visits on last week. A lot of people are in the hospital, but you're not in the hospital. You're in the house of God. Somebody ought to lift their hands and thank God for that today. All right? Remember what the Word of God teaches us. It says to come into his courts with thanksgiving. See, I come from an athletic background, and you got to have a switch. In other words, when you step across that line, it's game time. It's time to compete, right? And if you don't want to compete, then I don't want to play with you. And how I many know we don't play to lose, we play to win. And you got to learn the art of when you come through those doors, it's game time. And you got to turn a switch on. And you got to realize I got a whole lot more to be thankful for than to complain about. But how many know it's another level to that too? We enter into his courts with thanksgiving, then we enter into his gates with praise. So the courts are out there, the gates are a little closer to God. But praise is another form of thanksgiving, right? And what you'll find is anyone can praise God. But then there's a whole nother level, whereas the closer you get to God, then you enter into what's called the holy of holies. Now, how many know just anybody can go in there? Come on, I'm preaching already better than anybody in here is saying it. Just anybody. And that's what begins to separate attendees from Christians. People going to church and people who are being the church. Right? That worship will separate that. And that's the, really everything that should happen. You come in and you think, come in with a thankful heart. You're ready to give God the glory that's due unto his name. Then you want to shift. Now you want to just begin to worship him for who he is. I mean, that's the place where you don't want nothing from God. I don't know about you, but I don't want somebody always asking me for something. I don't even want my kids always asking me for something. Sometimes I just want them to say, Daddy, thank you for what you've already done. Come on, somebody. 
Sometimes all I want them to do is appreciate what they already have. And that's that moment to just say, God, if you don't do, do anything else for me, sending your son Jesus was more than enough. Saving my soul was more than enough. And that should cause you to lift your hands and, and worship him. Can we just take a few seconds and just lift our hands? Come on, don't want nothing from him. Just, just worship him right now. Without music, without band, just worship your father today. Father, I love you today. That's all I wanted to tell you. I love you, and I appreciate you. I thank you for everything that you've done for me. If you don't do anything else, you've already done more than enough. I just want to worship you for who you are, for just being a, a good God and a wonderful father to me. And I love you today. Thank you for saving me, for healing me and keeping me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I just thought I'd take a moment to do that on today so that we don't, uh, I don't just, I don't want to pastor that church. Anybody understand what I mean when I say, I don't want to pastor that church. I'd rather close these doors, right? Let's turn it into a club, some kind of party venue, if we're not going to come in here the right way. Right? I didn't come in here to just do my service for God. I went to church. Now, I came here, man, to worship God because I'm his child. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody that doesn't know God, you just keep your mouth shut for a moment. Everyone who does. Praise God. We're going to conclude today. The spirit-filled believer valuing praying in other tongues. Tongues is a subject that is confused. And so I think because of the level of confusing, especially in churches, pastors have decided, I just won't say nothing about it. I mean, saying nothing about it does the people that you pastor a disservice because it is really one of the greatest tools at our disposal to defeat the enemy that we have in our prayer lives. And so we've been learning that there's more to being filled with the Holy Spirit than speaking in tongues. Since speaking in, in an unknown language is the initial evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, according to Acts 2.4, it is an integral part of receiving the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is also an essential part of the believer's devotional life. So what we've been talking about is praying in other tongues as a part of your devotional life, your daily prayer life, because every believer should have a daily prayer life. Speaking in tongues is also an essential part, again, of the believer's daily devotional prayer life. The Apostle Paul thought so much of that that he said, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Paul believed that he prayed in other tongues more than the entire church at Corinth. That's how important it was. Let's also look at what God used him to accomplish. He wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. Do you think 
that's because he had a greater connection to God. God could talk to him spirit to spirit. He could actually hear from God to pin what it is God wanted to say to his people. If Paul prayed in other tongues, there was something that gave him access to God that God could use him more than anybody else in the New Testament. So in writing to the church at Corinth, Paul specifically encouraged Christians to follow the practice of speaking in tongues in their private prayer lives. And he gave us several reasons for it. Now, the list that I'm giving you is not exhaustive, but I think it's really four important things that'll get all of us kick-started. Number one, we talked about its devotional use. And the biggest thing there is, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 2, we are speaking not unto men, but unto God. Well, what is God? God is a spirit, isn't he? Isn't God a spirit? So probably the best way to talk to God is spirit to spirit, not mental to spirit. So it's clear to know that, clear to understand here that when I do this, I'm not speaking to people. I'm speaking directly to God. And it, it makes sense that God would give us a supernatural means by which to communicate to him where he can share divine secrets uh, with us about our situations. I mean, you know, if you knew how to get out of your situation, you would be out of it by now. The very fact that you haven't gotten out of it means that you don't know. So there's some information that you don't have that God wants to share with you, some divine secrets about your situation that will unlock the mysteries that you are unaware of and get you to the victory. Listen very carefully that he already provided for you. You're not trying to get God to do something. He's already done it for you. You're trying to discover what he's already done. And the best way to do that is spirit to spirit. I mean, no one is inventing anything. What people are doing are discovering what was already here. Let's go to point number two today. Point number two, and I love this one, it's for spiritual edification. Now think about what you are. You are a tripart being. You are a spirit that lives in a physical body that possesses a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. I mean, all three parts of you need to be built up. The best way to build up your physical body is through what? How many of you know these didn't come automatically? Ain't nothing there. It's a little something there. Walk up on me. You know. But my point is, how I many you know you're not going to build yourself up physically if you don't exercise? And guess what? If the last time you exercised was five years ago, it's not benefiting you today. So in other words, in order to stay fit physically, I need to exercise daily. I need to do something every day to stay fit physically. Accurate. You're a soul. Mind, will, emotions. Right? I mean, to build yourself up mentally, you need to read books. You need to further your education. Right? If the last time you learned something was 30 years ago when you graduated from college, how I many you know you're built up to the level that you were 30 years ago? Which may help us understand why we haven't progressed much in 30 years. 
Because at the moment I stop learning uh, mentally, then how many know my growth stops mentally? So if I want to keep growing, then I must keep studying, keep reading, keep learning. Right? So he gave us a means to build ourselves up physically. He gave us a means to build ourselves up naturally, mentally. Why wouldn't he give us a means to build ourselves up spiritually? I believe everything you see in the natural just mirrors the spirit realm. You ever seen a person who their battery is getting low on their phone and they can't find a charger? How many of y'all have teenagers in your house? Man, listen, them kids getting ready to tear something up. When that battery hit 10%, God forbid let it hit 1%. They are on drugs then. It's like, can I borrow your charger? Are you finished with your charger? Is your phone charged yet? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Them kids getting ready to go crazy. But how many know that phone is letting them know that the battery is low? How many know your life will let you know that your battery is low? You're short-tempered, easily irritated. Start cussing again. How many know the battery is low? Turn the cigarettes. Turn the alcohol. I don't turn to God. I start gossiping. How many know your battery is low? I'm trying to really make this plain. Think about the airport today. At one point, they didn't have a lot of outlets in the airport. But what happened, planes started getting delayed. And, and as planes were getting delayed and people couldn't charge their phone, the people started driving the employees crazy. So the employees went to Delta management and said, we've got to put more outlets. And so they put charging stations at your gate. You know why? Because they know you're not right. when your phone says 10%. And you know that 10% won't last on a three-hour flight. So then they, they realized some of you all still got on that plane at 10%. And there was no outlets on that plane. The, the airline stewardess said, these people are driving us crazy. And so guess what? They put outlets on the plane so you could charge your phone. I wonder if we were that concerned about our spirit and keeping that charged, how far we'd progress in life. Then they realized just charging their phone up wasn't enough. We don't have Wi-Fi on these planes. And these folks can't be on a plane for more than an hour without Wi-Fi. Watch this. So let's charge them $199 for Wi-Fi on a one-hour flight. We pull out our cards and swipe it because we can't live without a connection to our phone. I wonder if we ever got to a place where we couldn't live without a connection to God. All it's doing is mirroring, mirroring in the natural what's really going on spiritually. When you're not winning and you're losing, and things are going backwards in your life, I mean, all you got to do is check your battery level. And it will tell you. Check your attitude. Check, check what you're doing. Check the decisions that you're making. 
And you'll see that, man, my connection to God is low. I need to build it back up. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Spiritual edification. So tongues then are used as a means of spiritual edification. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So he who utters words in a tongue, notice, edifies himself. So notice then, praying in other tongues edifies you. The word edifies means to build up. So then if, my, if praying in tongues builds me up, then there must be an ability for my spirit to get low. You ever seen that Snickers commercial? You are not yourself. And a lot of times we attack other people, but it's not other people, it's us. You need to learn how to ask yourself, why did I react that way? Why did something little set me off that way? Because you were low. So you gave them you instead of God. Remember, small minds talk about people. You should already be able to locate people when they're talking about other people. You should be wise enough to know that the same person that'll bring a bone will take a bone. Wise people don't do that. Wise people talk about vision and ideas and goals and dreams. See, instead of spending all your life talking about what he said and what she said, why don't you spend more of your life talking about what he said? Oh, oh somebody missed that right there. So the word edifies means to build up. You stay built up, you will do that. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, the Passion Translation says, the one who speaks in a tongue advances his own spiritual progress. Anyone interested in advancing your own spiritual progress? Notice, you are responsible for advancing your spiritual progress. Coming to church, I am not responsible for advancing your spiritual progress. You are responsible for advancing your spiritual progress. If you spend all your time talking about what the pastor said and what the bishop said and what the apostle said and what the prophet said, you need to spend more time talking about what God said and being responsible for your own spiritual progress. If all you eat is this one meal a week on Sunday morning, you are not going to be built up and strong to deal with every single day of the week, which is why we come in on Sunday so weak because we have not been building ourselves up Monday, Tuesday, progressing spiritually all week. When we do that all week, we come into these gates with thanksgiving. We enter into his courts with praise. Come on, somebody. We worship God. We come in here ready because we've been building ourselves up all week long. Go with me to Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1. It's just one book. Jude 1, 20 and 21. I remember everything that we talked about because the language here will kind of make us aware of the context that he's, he's talking about. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, 
Remember this phrase, praying in the Holy Spirit. Only time we see the phrase praying in the Spirit in the entire New Testament, it is always in the context of praying in other tongues. So what he's telling us here is that we can keep ourselves built up and we can also keep our faith strong by praying in the Holy Spirit. How I many you know everything that you pray for does not happen happen in the time timing that you prayed for it to happen in? Anybody learned that yet? So then there's this time period between when I pray and then when what I prayed for manifests. What am I doing in between? I need to keep my spirit man built up so I don't grow weary and faint in terms of what I'm believing God for. The more I stay connected to God spiritually, he's constantly telling me I've already done it for you. Thank me for it. Give me the glory in advance. Act like you have it before you have it. I mean, and it'll keep your faith strong until it manifests. Praying in the Holy Ghost will help you do that. It'll build you up and it'll keep you strong. But then notice verse 21 in your faith. Verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Praying in the Holy Spirit will also help keep you in the Holy Spirit. It'll help you at times when you feel like slapping somebody, you'll actually pray for them. Come on, anybody here know what I'm talking about? Where somebody has just rubbed you the wrong way for the last time, and you even said, now if they come in here sideways today, I'm sending them out of here sideways. But if you'll stop and pray a little bit, how many know it'll stop you from slapping, and then you'll get to praising God and praying for somebody? We need to stay built up so that we can stay in the love of God. If you are married in here, you know your spouse gives you ample opportunity to get out of the love of God. Don't be scared. Be a man. Be a woman. Sit there like you know what I'm talking about. Man, marriage will give you an opportunity to get out of the Holy Spirit. But if you spend enough time built up praying in the Holy Ghost, you'll respond and react in love instead of in the flesh. Come on, I need somebody to help. If you are a parent in here, your kids will get you to a place where you want to knock their teeth into the back of their head. Your kids will get you to a place where you said, what? Boy, I will put your nose on the back of your head and put my foot so far up your... See, that's what prayer is all about. It'll keep you from saying that when you don't have no business saying that. Hello, somebody, and it'll keep you in the love of God. Come on, I almost choked my kids out a few times. I'm talking about they tapping. Daddy, daddy. Come on, somebody in here know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you don't stay built up. You can't stay in the love of God. Your kids ever say some things that you got to pause for a minute? Because the way I was raised, you would have got your whole mouth readjusted. I'm talking about by a grandmother, like 90 pounds, uppercut. Bam! Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Well, you got to stop for a minute, like. 
that little walk away gave you enough time to eat by shake it to come back around and say, let me make sure I heard you right. What was that you said? Give them a chance to make an adjustment. But depending on your level, you, you might come over the top. So it's a means of spiritual edification, a means of keeping yourself built up. Number three, it's a means of worshiping God. For believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit, tongues are used in their worship and devotion to God. The Bible says in Acts 10, 44 through 46, Cornelius and his household, let's look at that. I was going to go by it. Go to Cornel uh, Acts chapter 10, let's read it, verses 44 through 46. We already studied it, but let me look at it again. It says, while Peter was still speaking those words, the words were the scriptures. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, which was the converted Jews who believed, were astonished. For as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. What is the gift of the Holy Spirit that was poured out on the Gentiles also? For they heard them speak with tongues, not just speak with tongues, and magnify God. So according to what we just read, then speaking in tongues is a supernatural way to magnify God. So look at 1 Corinthians 14, 15, New King James Version. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. Notice what Paul here says. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit or tongues, and I will pray with the understanding. How many know you need both in your life? You need to pray with your understanding, but you need to pray in other tongues as well. Your understanding is limited. Tongues is unlimited. When you come to your, the end of yourself, then he gives you another level to get over into. And he can do for you what you can't do for yourself. But that's not all he said there. I will sing with the Spirit in my devotion life. I mean, it does no benefit for me to sing in the spirit up here or any of our singers and nobody understands what they're saying so it says I will sing with the spirit I'm not talking about the gifts of the spirit but you're going to see when we talk about the gifts of the spirit it does not talk about singing it says tongues and interpretation of tongues see that's where we confuse a lot of things between the devotional use and the public use but we'll get to that says, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Same context. Which means, how many of you know worship is a form of prayer? And so have you ever gotten to a place where you just were worshiping God, and, and you got tired of listening to the same songs over again, and then you just went over into worshiping Him in the Spirit? You can do that. That's at your disposal. So he said he did both. So Tongues can be used as a form of worship to God. And then we'll close with number four today. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to read verses 26 through 28. So the word tells us that we have weaknesses. 
And there are times when we don't know what to pray for. So we're weak, and there are times when we don't know what to pray for. Anybody ever been there before? Right? Where you're just a, a human being, right? Your emotions have gotten the best of you. And you don't have the words to pray over this situation. Situation that sticks out to me in my life is when my daughter was born. My daughter was born at 26 weeks, 26 weeks. She was two pounds, four ounces. I could literally hold my daughter like this. I could set her up on my shoulder like this. And I remember I was up at the hospital. My wife had gone to the hospital. Her, her blood pressure had shot up. I tried to stay at the hospital as long as I could, uh, but they put me out about midnight. Anybody ever been there where you try to just stay the night? Just start, I just try. I want to stay with my wife and daughter. They put me out, and I'm at home. And I'm at home, and I pray till I went to sleep. And the doctor calls. The phone rings, and it's the doctor. And he says, I need you to get to the hospital immediately because your wife has gone into some stage that he said, we must take the baby. It's possible that we might, you might lose your wife and keep the baby, or you might lose the baby and keep your wife or you might lose both of them. I mean, when you get that kind of news, can I just be honest with you? I'll just be true. My immediate response was not of faith and love and I wasn't God's man of faith and power. I literally started crying. And I started crying uncontrollable tears. And I started blaming myself. What did I do wrong? How did I let the devil in this situation? And I started trying to look at all of the places where I might have missed this to bring this on my, my wife and my daughter. And literally, I began to understand as I was driving that that was a sin consciousness and not a righteousness consciousness. And so I get all the way to the hospital. All the doctors and nurses are, are in the room. And literally, they rush her, wheel her out, because I had to sign some paperwork before they could do that. They wheel her out. I stayed behind, and I started crying again as I'm seeing her wheeled out. And I'm trying to get myself together. And I remember going over to the, the water fountain, and, I, and I, I filled my hands up with water, and I just threw water on my face, wiped my eyes. And I can remember saying to myself and thinking to myself, crying is not getting ready to help my wife and my daughter. And I began to declare that I was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I began to declare that my wife will live and not die. I began to declare that my daughter will live and not die. And I went into the room where they were, and she's knocked out. She's out completely. And so they've got to perform an emergency C-section. They cut her open, and the baby comes out. And when the baby comes out, I saw this cherry on the, on the baby's leg. But can I just be honest with you all? I shared this in the first service. I saw the cherry on the leg, but I did not go with my daughter. I literally thought in that moment, let me stay with my wife because we can have another baby. That's just what I thought in that moment. And I began to pray over my wife in other tongues. My wife's eyes opens up, and the first thing comes out of her mouth is, where is my baby? Go with the baby. When she said that, I said, oh, she's all right. She's fussing already. She's good. Right? But literally what she was saying was, well, she didn't want somebody to take her baby. She didn't want us to, somebody to switch the babies. So I leave her, and I go 
And I go into the room. I remember the red cherry, so I knew which one was our child. But I only stayed in there a few minutes. I had to look through an outside glass. I looked as closely as I could. Any parents in here, how many know you can look at your child for 10 seconds and never forget what your child looks like? So watch this. I left the baby again and went right back to her. And we began to pray, and I began to pray for her. Make a long story short, our baby ended up being in, what was that place called? NICU for how many weeks? For eight weeks. Listen very carefully. During that eight weeks, she was in there with seven other babies in the same situation. Every day, the doctor told us she might not live. She has a hole in her heart. Oxygen is not getting to her brain. She's going to be half blind. She'll need bifocals. She's going to be a midget. She won't grow tall. She'll never be able to play sports. On and on and on. Then for eight weeks, every time we'd come into that room, another baby had died. And when we'd walk in, a family was grieving. Over the course of that eight weeks, four, four out of the seven babies died. But God. Folks, I came to tell you today, my daughter graduated at the top of her class from high school, received a scholarship to the University of Georgia. Come on, somebody. Played sports all of her life. She is a beautiful young lady. Come on, I'm talking about the devil may say one thing, but God will always get the last word. Come on, I need somebody to rejoice with me Come on and give God glory because it is never over until God says it's over. My wife and I, we stayed with that. We kept praying and we prayed. No matter what they told us, when they said she would be blind, we would say she'll be able to see. When they said she couldn't, she would be short, we said she'll be a normal height. When they said she would be a midget, we said she'll be over five foot. Whatever they said, we said and we spoke the opposite of it, and it has come to pass exactly the way we prayed it. Satan, you are a liar, and the truth is not in you. Come on, somebody. There will be times in your life when you are weak and you don't know what to pray for, but you can tap over into something that is greater than yourself, and it will bring you out victorious every single time. Let's shout the roof off of this place because we serve a good God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Thank God that she had two parents who believed in prayer. What if we would have believed everything they told us about her? It would have came to pass that way. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps. That word helps means to come alongside, to take hold together with. So in other words, the Holy Spirit won't leave you out here by yourself, and he won't leave you comfortless. 
He'll come alongside to help you. How many of y'all know I can get this table down on the floor by myself? But if I call Tim up, if I call TC up, if I call Glenn up, right, I call five friends of mine to help me bring this table down, and they came alongside to help me, I mean, I'm going to get that table down on the floor a whole lot easier than if I tried to do that by myself. And that's all the Holy Spirit is saying. You're the little battery. He's the big battery. Stay plugged up to the big battery, and the big battery will come alongside and help you do things and make it a lot easier for you than if you tried to do it on your own. So likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. That word weaknesses means frailty. We're just human beings. Our sickness or our disease, I like to say it this way, our dis-ease. So you can sit there and act like you are all strong and nothing's wrong in your life, but the reality is we all have weaknesses. And life will happen to you at one point or another. This is not a negative confession. It is called life. And if you don't have something greater to help you during those times when you can't help yourself, then you will be by yourself. So he says the Holy Spirit comes alongside to help us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we are. So then clearly one of our major weaknesses is that there will be times in our lives when we don't have all the answers and we don't know what to pray about this situation that we're going through. Come on, anybody ever been there before? We've all been there before. Life will put you in situations where you don't know how this happened, how I ended up in this situation. What am I going to do next? How are we going to take care of this? Where is the money going to come from? Come on, so why did they leave me? Life happens to everybody. And we become weak and frail, and we're human beings. And the Holy Spirit is there to help us in our weakness because in those moments, Sometimes it'll overwhelm us so much that we can't even think about what to pray, let alone pray. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, you can't even think of the right words here. I don't know what to pray. I'm just, I'm at a loss for words. When you're there, what do you do? Because keep on living. You will be there at one point or another. It's called life. None of us are exempt. If Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered, if he, if he, if he wasn't greater than it, you won't be either. So then what do we do? But the Spirit himself, notice that capital S and that capital H. But the Spirit himself, makes intercessions. That word intercession means to go on behalf of. Now, when you're in a moment of frailty, disease, sickness, who do you want praying for you? You or the Holy Spirit? You still with me out there? So, so notice then, what do I do when I'm weak and frail and I don't even know what to pray? I allow the Holy Spirit to come alongside and intercede for me in my weakness. Just keep reading. So he makes intercessions. He goes on behalf of us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Uttered means words in articulate speech. 
same language that we've been looking at in this entire study. So then what else could he be talking about? If the Spirit is praying, how would the Spirit be praying? Would, would the Spirit pray mental prayers? Or would the Spirit pray the perfect will for your situation? Now let's keep reading here. See, he's deeper than us. Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit, not your mind. See, you're not trying to pray for your will to be done. You're trying to pray for his will to be done. You don't want your thinking on your situation. Your thinking might have got you in that situation. We want his thinking. So the Holy Spirit is going to search to see what he's thinking about your situation. Let's keep reading. For he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, what the Spirit is, because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. I mean, everything you might be praying for yourself might not be God's will for your life. Come on, I need some help in here today. Please don't leave me out here by myself. A lot of times, things that we think we want aren't good for us, but we don't know it. So the Holy Spirit again to begin to pray his perfect will for your life. Everything that bad that ha happens to you is not a bad thing. That went right over somebody's head. Sometimes getting fired is the best thing that could ever happen to you. See, instead of you getting all upset, ready to go set the place off, come on, somebody, go park your car right up there. I'm getting ready to get a whole floor, a piece of my mind. I'm going to let them know you do not fire me. I've been working here for 20 years. I gave this company everything that I had. They better know that. Right? Getting fired from there is what really might launch you into your purpose. And so instead of talking about people, talk about God. See, and, and instead of saying, look at what happened to me, why can't you see it this way? God's got something better for me. And I would have never discovered the better that he had for me if I'd have never been put out of that situation. Listen to me, single person. Every person that leaves you is not a bad thing. So instead of you crying and getting all depressed, maybe they gave you a gift by exiting out of your life. And you need to learn how to say bye-bye. Come on, you need to learn how to say see you later. You need to learn how to say let the door hit you. Well, we can't say that one right there. We're the good Lord. See, a lot of times we, we don't know. We're, we're out doing our will and asking God to bless it. And when it doesn't work out, we don't understand why. Because it wasn't his will for our lives. And 
we've got to be comfortable with that and spiritually mature enough to shift gears quickly and say to God, just because that didn't work out, I know that you're still for me. And because you're God and you're still on the throne, that means you have something better for me. And having that disposition will always keep you in position for better. So don't use that as a moment to talk about the people who really they didn't do anything wrong to you. They gifted something to you. I can see that now, Mom. That was the greatest gift he could have ever gave me was to force me to fly. See, a good mama bird is going to push the baby out the nest when it's ready and force the baby to learn how to fly. Some of you all, the only thing that's happening to you is you're being forced to fly. You got to learn how to start cooperating with that. I got good news for somebody in here. Anybody in here going through something right now that you just don't understand? Well, anybody here just going through something right now that you like, it's a head scratcher. Anybody in here just like, I don't have the words. I got good news for you. Verse 28. And we know. Somebody say, I know. I know. Come on, say, somebody say, I know. I know. Say, I know, I know me and I know God. I know God. Let's keep going. Say, I know, I know. that all things including this thing is working together for my good because I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. Say this too shall pass. I'm coming out greater. I'm coming out like pure gold. I'm coming out without the smell a fire on my clothes. I'm coming out better. I came out better. I'm walking in better right now. Go ahead and give God praise for it. Come on, open up your mouth and give God praise for it. Come on, you don't have time to be sitting around throwing no pity parties talking about why did this happen to me? Why did they do this to me? Why did they do that? You don't have time for that. You and God are a majority. With God, all things are possible. Sometimes that's the greatest gift they could have gave you. Best thing they could have ever done for you was to treat you the way that they did. And you've got to be able to say, Satan, this is one door you should have never knocked on. You tried to put sickness on me, but I'm coming back healthier than I've ever been before. You tried to take a job from me, but now I'm getting ready to start a business and build something so big that you'll never be able to touch me, my family, or my children ever again. Come on, folks, with faith, all things are possible. 
What do I care about what he said and what she said and what they said? What do I care about that? Bring it on. Talk about me all you want to. I'm going to give you something to talk about when we take over the entire city of Potter Springs to the glory of God the Father. I need somebody to praise God with me in this place. You got to learn how to let the devil know this is one door you don't want to knock on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God has something better for me now. You've got to learn how to cooperate with that by the Spirit. And when it doesn't work out, don't go shipwreck. Don't panic. Don't implode. Don't put your mouth on other people. You all don't know what this has been like. You don't want this. You don't want this. If you all understand the level of body blows I've been taking without even responding. You don't want this. I'm talking about gut shots. At the times when you didn't need it. Right when stuff falling apart, I'm getting gut blows. And they talking about all the stuff I need to be doing, I should be doing. They don't understand what I'm, what I'm fighting right now. And because they're not spending enough time praying about you, they can only think about themselves and what they're going through. And it always amazes me how everybody knows how to do everything, but has never done nothing. You've never built anything. Come on, somebody. You've never paid anything cash. Come on, somebody. But you're going to tell me what I should be doing, how I should be doing it, when I should be doing it. And you've never done nothing yourself. It should help you understand why they have so much time to talk about other people. I'm going to just leave that alone. Just gut punches. Some of, them, some of them were intended to be knockout blows. I'm going to close right here. One of the greatest things I learned, if you don't hear anything else today, one of the greatest things I learned is one of the greatest positions you can be in is when it's the only thing that's left is you and God. It's when you get this privilege to come to this understanding that you and God are more than enough. And you develop a disposition that every time somebody leaves, quits, you get fired, whatever, you develop this position and this disposition of 
God has something better for me. And guess what I learn every time? What he sends is always better. So I declare to somebody in this room, you are not going down. You are actually going over. You are not breaking down. You are actually breaking through. And you know one of the greatest ways to demonstrate to the devil and yourself the truth of that matter is you could actually act like you already have what you're believing for before you get it. Come on, somebody ought to praise God right there like you already have it before you have it. I'm talking to somebody that, man, you've been waiting on God to heal your body. I'm telling you, he already healed your body, and you need to act like it's already healed before it physically manifests in your body. Just simple things like this. Did you all get anything out of this today? I want to ask a question in this room. Everybody stand to your feet. Why wouldn't you operate and use such a wonderful gift that he's left at your disposal? Such a supernatural means of overcoming every obstacle in your life. Why, as a believer, would you not take advantage of that? Why, as a believer, would you not utilize this primarily as much as you possibly can in your personal prayer life? You're in this building today and you've never prayed in other tongues. Raise your hand. Lift your hand right now. You're in this building. You've never prayed in other tongues. Just lift your hand. Hands up all around the room. If you want to receive that, come on down here right now. If you want to learn how to do it and receive it, just come on down right now. You want to learn it, you want to receive it. Come on down right now.